what's been really clear to us is the benefit of being very closely integrated into a highly engaged consumer ecosystem. By tapping into the power of that strong ecosystem, we will be able to bring tangible value to customers. Welcome to the Payments Powerhouses podcast, where we discuss current trends with the movers and shakers in the fintech industry. Brought to you by 2C2P, your trusted payment solutions provider in Asia and beyond. Hi everyone, my name is Suhan. I'm your host for Payments Powerhouses. And our guest for today is Freddie Agar, who has more than 25 years of experience in financial services. Two years ago, he became the Chief Financial Officer at Trust Bank, Singapore's first digital bank. Welcome, Freddie. Thanks, thanks, Suhan. Thanks for having me here. My pleasure. I saw that the Standard Chartered Marathon just took place recently. Did you participate? Well, I am a big fan of Standard Marathons and I've been running the half marathon for more than a decade. But this year, I did not because I'm practicing for climbing Mount Everest. The base camp, not the summit, I must say. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited and looking forward to that adventure in March. That's really awesome. Yeah, looking forward to it. I wish you luck. And back to your professional career. By June 2023, I believe you have spent about 24 years in Standard Chartered, including the two in Trust Bank. I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes over time. Could you talk us through your career journey thus far? Sure, sure, Suhan. And yes, you bet if there's one industry that's dramatically changed in the last two decades or so, it surely is the financial services, particularly banking. I guess one of the most fascinating things I find is the kind of change that has happened in these 25 years. So I've seen a number of business cycles, GFC and the 9-11 that brought in a lot of regulations around financial crime and of course the pandemic most recently. And that's what I find most fascinating about banking. It's survived all this crisis. So my point is banking per se will remain. The way banks operate will change, which is where digital bank comes in. So basically, I've been now 25 years across most parts of the bank, if not all, held financial positions in corporate banking, SME, treasury functions. But I've spent a large part of my career life with retail, consumer banking. And I guess that's one of the reasons which inspired me to join Trust as well. Because Trust is into retail and it basically it has the fusion of two big names, Standard Chartered and NTUC. It also has the heritage of uh, both these organizations. Standard Chartered brings its banking experience and NTUC, Fairprice has a great ecosystem. I guess that's one of the reasons I've joined Trust two years ago. Before that, I've been engaged in a number of, you know, areas like acquisitions or due diligence, raising capital, setting up companies. One of the things which has really excited me throughout my career has been people. You know, I'm fortunate to have been in Stanchart, which offers a great platform to deal with a very diverse set of people. The same goes for Trust, actually. We have a fantastic team at Trust and we have a very unique culture also. So having spent so many years with the same company, do you actually feel that you have always been with the same company or because of your different roles, different exposure, it's actually different? Certainly the latter. By nature, I don't stick around in a role for a very long time. I guess that's the beauty of working in an MNC like Stanchart, right? You get so much opportunity and there's so much to learn in different parts of the organization. I've been, like I said, in all these businesses and functions. And also the thing is that I've been in roles covering countries, regions, as well as global. So each has its own flavor. Country roles are much more operational, much more on the spur moment. Global roles are more strategic. And you mentioned your passion and interest in life with consumer retail banking. 
and hence your position with Trust Bank. Trust Bank is Singapore's first digital bank. But I guess for the benefit of our listeners, I guess in your own word, what is Trust Bank exactly? What is a digital bank? Sure. I'll first cover where Trust Bank comes in. So Standard Chartered Bank and Fair Price Group, they've come together both have their own set of expertise. So they complement each other in terms of capabilities. There's a depth of experience. And of course, there is a common vision in serving uh, the banking needs of the Singapore community. What's been really clear to us is the benefit of being very closely integrated into a highly engaged consumer ecosystem. Mm. By tapping into the power of that strong ecosystem, we will be able to bring tangible value to customers. Of course, we are fortunate to have this through our integration with the FairPrice Group ecosystem. As your listeners and yourself, you would know FairPrice is a huge grocery chain. It has a million customer experiences nationwide. Now, that's something, right, for a small country like Singapore. And it's one of our shareholders as well. You asked about digital banks, right? So one of the key points or key success factor for a digital bank is its cost and the Client acquisition cost compared to traditional banks has to be much lower. So the huge ecosystem offers us that platform to have a lower client acquisition cost. You know, Again, we've seen that happen in terms of the launch that we had. So we launched on September 1st and we were really, really humbled and overwhelmed by the kind of customer response we got. I mean, we were able to acquire 100,000 customers in 10 days and over two months, we've actually got more than 300,000 customers. That's amazing. I was actually one of your 300,000 customers who signed up in the first two days. Oh, wonderful. We are honored. Great to have you as our customer. Uh, I hope the experience was good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we aim at making banking accessible. You know, I mean, the whole ethos is that it has to be transparent, simple and easy and rewarding, of course. So you would have experienced as a SingPass account holder, if you can sign up for your bank account within a span of minutes, I think it takes less than three minutes or so. We do not charge any kind of card annual fee. We do not believe in any kind of replacement fee or FX transaction fee. So it's kept very, very easy. So I guess in summary, Trust does enjoy the collective strength of Stanchart's banking expertise, plus FairPrice's strong ecosystem to offer Singapore customers a unique blend of transparent, easy and rewarding experience. Consumer banking has also evolved with the digital environment. And like you say, a digital banking service is so easy where anyone can just sign up with their SingPass in Singapore and get their account almost immediately. And they have more control, I believe, as well. And I guess that ties into my next question. Why do you think consumers would actually choose to go with digital banks or create another bank account in addition to their current one, the traditional banks? What pain points do digital banks seek to address with the customers? Sure, that's a great question, Suan. Look, a modern digitally native bank hosts its infrastructure on the cloud. It's cloud native. And it uses the very latest and best technologies to create a cutting-edge platform. I mean, that's how digital banks have evolved. They don't want the legacy of the old traditional banks. Now, from a customer perspective, this creates two major benefits. Firstly, because digital banks do not have any physical places of business, they do not have branches, there is a lower cost. And that enables the digital bank to pass on those lower cost benefits to customers. I mean, in our own case, in Trust, for example, we have the fee-free proposition. Even on deposit balances, we offer the market-leading base rate and no strings attached. There is no minimum balance requirement. All you need to do is perhaps have just five simple transactions a month, unlike a lot of strings which a competition would attach. 
Secondly, it enables a true digital bank to raise market standards. This is through an experience that is designed around the customer. Things like, you know, customers were asking for a facility of reducing their credit limit on their own. So within a span of two weeks, we actually provided that to them. Likewise, some of the other real-time data helps us respond to customers' queries fast. So that's where, I guess, digital banks have a slight edge over traditional banks because, in fact, some of these changes would probably take a lot longer than traditional banks. Because digital bank doesn't really have a physical branch, do you think some customers will actually see that as a barrier to entry because they can't physically reach out to a bank when they have issues? What's your take? I guess there is a myth around digital banks. Look, digital banking has been there for a while, mm. right? I mean, big banks have surely been focused on digital transformations and all. So digital banking has existed for a while. Digital banks are relatively nascent. Mm. I mean, if you look at the digital banks globally, perhaps less than a decade back, uh, you know, started with perhaps banks like Starling and Monzo in the UK mature markets. So what happens is basically the myth around digital banks is that it is only technology-based. But what we and many other digital banks, to be fair, have realized is there is a strong human connection there. Mm. So while we may not have branches we certainly have a 24-7 customer support. Mm. And we've seen a lot of calls actually coming in the night time, you know, around midnight. Secondly, we also have a live chat session on our app. So that facility is available where we respond very quickly to our customers. We have set up a very recent customer experience center at FairPrice VivoCity, which is a very nice, wonky little space in the FairPrice store. It has a robotic coffee machine and we've got our very friendly and dedicated digital ambassadors to basically help customers who are less digitally savvy mm. on their journey. So I'd encourage you and the listeners to please pay a visit You know, if you happen to visit FairPrice VivoCity. That's great. I think I will certainly go check it out. And like you mentioned, even though a digital bank doesn't really have physical branch per se, it doesn't mean accessibility is lost. In fact, there are other services and features for help, like a call center and even a chat feature as well, whenever you have issues. So I guess speaking about, you mentioned power of NTUC ecosystem. Could you tell us a bit more about the future plans for Trust, perhaps to expand the rewards program? That's something which is keeping us busy and that's a great question, by the way. Because alongside the integration with the FairPrice ecosystem, which I spoke of before, Mm. we do have a range of partners offering coupons and all to our customers as well. So big names like Starbucks, KFC, Caltex, VU, our customers have engaged very heavily with all our partners during the very first month. In fact, we've redeemed more than 120,000 digital coupons so far. That's a lot. Trust launched as a consumer-focused digital bank built for Singapore, integrated with the fair price ecosystem. Our launch offering is just the starting point as we look to continue to be a digital bank that places customers at the center of our digital journey, of our development journey. Of course, our goal is to be the bank that caters to the everyday people, finding ways to help them enjoy significant savings in their everyday spending. And that in turn will, I guess, maximize value for customers. Fair price, of course, is one which has a huge base of customers. It's a household name in Singapore. And we are confident that with the kind of unique value proposition that will benefit customers, it will support our long-term journey in growing trust. Trust Bank being the first digital bank in Singapore, do you feel the pressure to continue to push forward the innovation of digital bank? So I guess one has to look at it in two ways, right? Yes, Trust is the first digital bank and we are extremely proud of that. 
at the same time we also are conscious of the fact that competition will catch up mm-hmm. right it's a matter of time our interest is to put customer at the center of everything now i know this is a cliche which we've heard uh, but like i said in some of the examples before we do want to listen to our customers we do want to be caring for our customers of course we will not be able to meet all the needs yeah. but the whole culture and trust is basically to keep customers at the center and irrespective of whether we are first second or mm-hmm. you know later on this will be the ethos which will drive and yeah. we are very very optimistic that we will be able to offer innovative solutions yeah. to our customers to make their life better And I guess the ability to react and respond as quickly as you can is is important. And like you mentioned earlier, during the launch, you have a lot of feedback where customers are requesting to adjust the credit limit, which you have responded. So I think it's that kind of approach that consumers will look forward towards trust to deliver. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess talking about digital bank and the future, what are your thoughts on the future of banking? Having come from both sides of the, the experience, traditional banking and now the digital bank, do you think it's possible for traditional banking to be completely phased out first let me cover digital banks so i guess digital banks will be surely there to bring easy to use and innovative solutions for customers definitely in singapore and in the world as well we believe that this will help drive higher standards in the market for example if you look at the mature market like uk and you see monzo and starlink what they've done is they've not really replaced any hsbc or lloyd but they've basically complemented and they've added to the market standard so because of their presence mnc banks or traditional banks are upping their game also that's where the consumer will benefit best one of the things that we do find very exciting is how people have become much more comfortable with using digital services and that's not only for banking that's across the industry covid 19 has been a catalyst right it's basically accelerated this trend and uh, particularly for trust it gives the opportunity to support so many customers who perhaps previously may have frowned on digital services uh, they are much more open now look there will be clearly winners and losers right it's it's still an experimentation stage the digital banks are less than a decade old but we do believe that the future belongs to those who are not just brave and take new business models but those who are also considering and thinking of longer term sustainable mm. business models of course banks have been demonized to a certain extent you know i mean it's almost as if fintechs and digital banks are there to disrupt them overnight but traditional banks are still around why is that uh, so in my view firstly they have adapted for sure but also there is much that digital banks are learning from traditional banks the whole discipline of banking the risk management the governance the regulatory relationships these are all important areas of digital banks to learn from mm-hmm. so i strongly believe that both digital and traditional banks will coexist i don't think we'll see traditional banks evaporating not at all they will coexist they will complement each other learn from each other and offer much better solutions in the market where the ultimate gainer is the common man And that's great to hear. Regardless of who wins or how they coexist, raise the standards of banking. And at the end of the day, the consumers are the ones who stand to gain. So moving on, we have seen that a very small number of digital banks have become profitable. What are the key success drivers for banks to become profitable in your opinion? Digital banks, as I've said before, are very new. New, I mean, they're less than a decade old. And yes, it is true that less than 5% of the digital banks are profitable. I think there are 250-odd digital banks globally in the world so far. I believe there could be many factors which could either lead to their success or their failure. But 
I do believe that there are three key success factors for a digital bank if it needs to be profitable. Firstly, a sustainable business model, and by that I mean one which can withstand economic cycles, any kind of downturns. Now, what does that imply? That implies having a very diverse and well-distributed product and client segment. So, if you have a pure single product model, which is what many digital banks start off with, to be fair, mm-hmm. okay, but then of course they expand. It will be difficult to be profitable if you just focus on a single product. So, you need a very diverse, well-distributed product and client segment. And this is where assets and lending becomes important. It's also important to quickly scale up your capabilities. So in a higher interest rate environment, we've seen basically deposits are very attractive. You would have read in the news, you know, how banks are offering higher interest rate on their deposit base. Because there is certainly a big source of revenue at the moment for banks. But for those of us who have a slightly longer memory, we'll remember that just a few months back, interest rates were very low, practically zero. Yeah. So any deposit interest rate was really a drag on income. Mm. Now, what does that mean? That means having assets and lending in particular is extremely important for balance. But then I guess the obvious question will be, we also hear about an impending recession, economic downturn, uncertainty. So how do we respond? Look, a downturn invariably leads to unemployment. And that for banks implies higher credit losses for sure. So it's important in today's times when they are good, hopefully, to have good lending practices, but also to prepare for what happens when things do change. So as a digital bank, the advantage I guess we enjoy is we can leverage new sources of data. We can bring a larger number of clients into organized banking and borrowing through that. But at the same time, we are also very, very agile and we believe in testing and learning and taking a very iterative approach to ensure that we control risks and open new segments very thoughtfully. Mm. The second success factor, I would say, is the acquisition cost that I mentioned earlier. You know, keeping it low is very important. And again, having access to an ecosystem is very helpful, as we've seen. It basically helps create propositions for acquiring customers rather than just throwing away expensive benefits to customers. Finally, I think scale on its own is a good start. But what digital banks will need to do and probably some of them are already doing is activation you'd have to keep your customers engaged you have to monitor your monthly active users your day-to-day active users because ultimately what will really matter is frequent engagement with customers so i guess these are a few factors which are critical for a digital bank's path on profitability and I guess the space is still quite nascent. So there's still a lot of opportunities and also growth areas to work on to improve. Oh yeah, you bet. I think that's the beauty of it. That's what makes it so exciting mm. because we are literally walking on uncharted territory yeah. in some ways. Having been in banking for quite some time, what will you say to someone who's looking to join digital banking? Well, <laughs> I do have a 19-year-old teenage boy who's doing his NS right now. And we, we often chat about, you know, he asks me my thoughts on what he should be doing in future. Look, banking is no longer boring, for sure. With the evolution of technology, banks have become very exciting places to work in. So my first piece of advice to the youngsters would be that they should certainly familiarize themselves with the digital world. Mm-hmm. Now, that does not mean you become a programmer or a coder of course if you are one then that's great but just be interested in this space you know i mean be it in the field of what they call as abcd analytics blockchain cloud computing data these are just some of the terms but make sure that you are no stranger 
to these. I think the other point I would like to share with the youngsters is remember the basics. You know, customer is definitely the king or the queen. So make sure you keep customers in the front, center and back of everything you do. Mm. Now, if you are in a front office role, then this means external clients. But if you are in a function role, that means internal customers. So make sure you are very customer focused. The other thing I've noticed is for youngsters particularly is culture plays a big role. You know, and that's where a lot of organizations are perhaps tweaking their cultures and modifying it to align with the future generations. And I think even youngsters are becoming very choosy where they want to join, which is good because I think it's important that young banker or anybody joining the corporate world make sure he or she is the right fit in the corporate's culture. And my last two bits on this would be leadership. In trust, we have a very diverse staff. We have folks in their 20s also, you know. Uh, And I have seen them lead the way without any position or title. And that's the beauty of it. So it's not the position or title that you should be after, but it's a mindset. Keep that mindset, I would say, to the youngsters, you know, as you work and progress in your Mm -hmm. career life. And I did a little bit of spying on your LinkedIn profile as well. You mentioned you tend to learn a new skill every year. So what do you learn? What is your new skill you're going to learn? Well, I've been learning about digital banks and digital banking and setting up a bank is no easy feat, you know, so it's been a fantastic learning experience. Next year's target is to learn tracking and (laughs) climb the Everest. (laughs) Awesome. I think with that, uh, I wish you well. Thank you, Freddie, for dropping by and we hope to speak to you again in the near future. Likewise, Suhan, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and thanks to all your listeners as well for the time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe or follow this show. You can also find 2C2P on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. To read more about this conversation, go to 2C2P.com slash blog.